You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. Good morning, everyone. As Bill said, this is my third time here, and we are honored to be here. It was our fourth time fellowshipping as CBC and BBC. Uh, we invited CBC um, last April, uh, but unfortunately, we don't have the facility to seat all of, seat all of y'all. <laughs> so now we have to come here, which is no problem. We are so honored, and we thank God for this move of God. Uh, God put a great burden on my heart that the local church should be looking like the heavenly church. And since we all going to fellowship together throughout all eternity, we might as well do it now. Amen. Whites, blacks, Asians, Hispanics, amen. amen. So, so this is what this is all about. And I'm grateful to Bill and the elders and CBC having a heart desire to see the gospel. Jesus died to tear down that wall of hostility between ethnicities. And I make a vow at Beulah, and they know I say this often, I will not help anyone build a wall that would divide races. Okay, I'm going to clap myself right there. Amen. Those who have a copy of God's Word, please find Luke chapter 11. Luke's Gospel chapter 11. I'm going to minister a word today that I believe that all of us can do better in. Most people call this the Lord's Prayer, but it's really not the Lord's Prayer, it's the model prayer. The Lord's Prayer is that high priestly prayer in John 17, just before Jesus goes to the cross, he offers up his prayer. But this is a model prayer that Jesus is going to outline as this request has come to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Here in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, starting at verse 1, I'm going to be reading for the New King James. Don't stone me. <laughs> now, Matthew gives a more detail in the ESV about this prayer, but Luke kind of just goes over it, but Matthew goes in detail a little more, Matthew chapter 6, but I want to stop right here in Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 1. Now it came to pass as he was praying. This is what Jesus did all the time. The Son of God took time out of his busy schedule to isolate himself alone with the Father. How many know that's what we need to be doing? When we see the chaos and the confusion in our world, the first thing I ask myself, Lee, what is the church doing? Because we are the ones that have the relationship with the Almighty God. Are we praying as the church? Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, when he stopped, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we know Matt, it's not in the ESV, but Matthew does put that in his gospel. Verse 3, give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us 
our sins and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one let us pray God of heaven God of glory God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ Father thank you for this gathering here two churches coming together as one representing the body of Christ. Father, thank you for this gathering. Lord Jesus, we pray that your name will be exalted, that your name will be lifted up. Holy Spirit, we yield the right of way to you. Glorify our master. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus has been giving a request. The request is, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. There's a quote about prayer that says something like this, prayer should be the key to our day and the lock to our night. Prayer should be the key to our day and the lock to our night. What is that quote saying? That prayer should start our day and prayer should in our day. Question, does it? Does it? The reason I'm, I'm posing that question is because in the rat race of life that we live in now, many times we don't even take time to acknowledge God for another day. I got to get to the office. I got to get the kids to the practice. I got to do all this. But never taking time to thank the sovereign Lord that you've allowed my eyes to open once again on this side. Now, we're all here. Let's just talk. If there's one area in our lives that all of us can improve on, improve in, is prayer. Don't lie, you're in church. <laughs> all of us can improve when it comes to prayer. The thing about it, Jesus is anticipating us to pray. How do I know this? Because Jesus said this in Matthew 6. He says, when you pray. <laughs> That's anticipation. He says, when you pray. Our daughter who's in the Air Force, she went to basic training last year, October. And for those who have been in the military, those who have children, got children in the military, you know, once they get to basic training, there was those four weeks of agony that Terrain and I went through. Those four weeks not hearing from our baby. Those four weeks not knowing, is everything okay? I mean, we was on pins and needles. I'm talking about Jesus is anticipating us praying. And we were anticipating that call from charisma. We was on pins and needles. I remember this Friday night. Terrain and I had just got through, you know, we empty nesters now, so. <laughs> we take every Friday night just to walk downtown and go to all these nice restaurants, and we had finished eating, and we got in the truck, and we was coming across 16. And I had my phone in a cup holder, and we called Charisma Rizzy. It's been four weeks. <laughs> we are anticipating that call. We want to hear from our baby, our only baby. 
And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Rizzy pops up on my phone. I almost wrecked my truck. <laughs> I grabbed my phone and I said, Rizzy, Rizzy. She said, Daddy, Daddy. Oh my goodness. But this is the thing, we were anticipating her call, but at the same time, she was anticipating talking to us. Jesus is anticipating us praying, but you and I should be willing and thrilled to talk to our king. She said, Daddy, I miss you so much. Terrain sitting over there being jealous. <laughs> you know, that's daddy's girl. <laughs> But, but there was a mutual, we were anticipating her call and she delighted to call us. Jesus is anticipating our prayer and we should be delighting to pray to him. If you only pray when you're in trouble, you're already in it. I say, if you only pray when you're in trouble, you're already in it. See, most of us treat prayer like that spare tire in our car. I couldn't tell you if my spare tire got air in it or not. Because we treat prayer like that. I only need it when emergency. No, 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 no. Prayer should not be viewed as something we use for emergencies. Prayer should be something that's essential for our lives. We should get to a point to realize I can't survive without praying. Think about the privilege. If you've been a Baptist, you notice him. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. God has given us this great privilege to be able to come boldly, freely before his throne of grace. To partition him in prayer, and many times we squander that great opportunity. If you only wait to pray when you're in trouble, you're already in it. Let me go ahead and push it since I'm here. Unfortunately, God only hears the prayer of some of us when Georgia football season comes. Okay. Lord, let Fromm throw a touchdown. Lord, let Swift run that ball. Okay. Lord, let Georgia beat Alabama. Okay, since you're not a Georgia fan, Clemson, you was praying hard yesterday. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. You thought UNC was going to upset you. And it's unfortunately, that's the only time God hears from some of us. And I'm not going to even talk about the Falcons. <laughs> Amen. God done revoke all of y'all prayer privileges. <laughs> y'all done used up all of your prayer privileges as the Falcons. But do you, I mean, if prayer is the only, if we only wait till trouble comes to pray, we're already in it. I, I, I got this statement that I want to, Prayer is our communication connection with God. This is how we connect with the Holy God is through prayer. Jesus is anticipating us praying. Are we praying? 
A prayerless Christian is a Christian that is making a statement, God, I don't need you. Anytime we are prayerless, we're telling Jesus, Jesus, I got this. I don't need you. Because the man or woman, the believer that's gotten to the point that every day they cry out, they realize that in themselves they are helpless and hopeless, but in Jesus they could find that refuge. They could find that strength to make it through. In our text, Jesus has just gotten a request. Here in verse 1 of Luke chapter 11, it says, Now it came to pass... As he was praying in a certain place, when he sees that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now, I don't know about you, but this fascinates me. You say, what fascinates you about this? Jesus has already healed a widow's son, brought him back to life, excuse me, brought him back to life. He's calmed the raging sea. And what fascinates me is that this disciple does not ask Jesus, Jesus, give me a healing ministry like Benny Hinn that I could just blow on people. <laughs> that I could just wave my jacket and knock people down. He doesn't ask that. He comes to Jesus and he makes this request. He says, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his now, that's monumental. Out of all the things, Lord, teach me how to build a sermon outline. Lord, teach me how to preach with, with power. He could have asked any of those things, but he doesn't ask those things. He says, Lord, teach me how to pray. I believe this disciple got it, and we need to get it. He realized that when you're prayerful, you're powerful. Okay, y'all didn't get that. This disciple realized when you're prayerful, you're powerful. He realized that when Jesus came out of prayer, how many know Jesus prayed early? Jesus would get up before the crack of dawn, and he would spend time with the Father. Not only did Jesus pray early, but Jesus prayed earnestly. Jesus put his heart into his prayers with the Father. Can I give you another quote? Jot this down. If your prayers does not mean everything to you, then it won't mean anything to Jesus. When we go to God, we must go to God earnestly with a heart of sincerity, crying out to our God. Jesus prayed early, but Jesus also prayed earnestly. And this, this disciple says, Lord, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples. That was the response. That was the request, now the response. Jesus says, okay, you want to know how to pray? This message today is a pattern for prayer. A pattern for prayer. Jesus said, I'm going to give you a pattern. I'm going to give you an outline. I'm going to give you a template to go by. Jesus takes time after he's gotten this request to respond by giving his disciples a pattern for prayer. It's right here in the text. Brothers and sisters, he's given us a pattern of how we are to approach him as children of God. Let's unpack this text here. 
But before we unpack this pattern, how many know that we must be in a position to pray? I think the church has gotten to a point now, we have to be in right standards with God to be able to pray. Peter said this in 1 Peter 3, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayers. Now, we won't get into this a little deeper into the message, but you can't live how you want to live and think God going to hear your prayers. Okay, y'all quiet. That's all right. In other words, we have to do business with Jesus when it comes to our sin. Charisma is my daughter. Now, if you are born-again believer, you've been redeemed, guess what? Relational-wise, that doesn't change. I believe once saved, always saved, if you're really saved. Relationship does not change between God and us when we get into sin, but fellowship does. Stay with me. Charisma. Do this, do that. She does not obey me. Guess what? Relationship never changed. I'm still daddy. She's still daughter. But guess what? Go to your room. I don't want to talk to you right now. I don't know how you raise yours, but that's how I raise mine. <laughs> and it's only to when charisma owns up to what she's done, she repents of her behavior, that fellowship is restored. Now she can talk to daddy again. Some of us, Jesus is not hearing our prayers is because we are not in the right position today. In this pattern for prayer, Jesus is going to outline what we must do or why we should pray. Number one, we pray because of your relationship. Get that now. Right here in verse 2 of Luke 11. Y'all still with me? We pray, number one, because of our relationship. Don't run by this important statement. He's asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus says, okay, start out by saying, our Father. Brothers and sisters, I get chills every time I think of the privilege that I've been granted to call Almighty God my Father. See, I, I think we don't take that to heart anymore. That as creation, part of his creation, we've been given a privilege to call God the one that spoke everything into existence, that one that opened up the Red Sea, that one We've been given a privilege to say, our Father. You should be excited about that. Why? Under the old covenant, they knew, they knew God as king. They knew God as Lord. They knew God as judge. But individually, Israel could not know God as Father. Jesus said, when you pray, start out by recognizing that God is not only my father, but through my work on the cross, he is your father. He's your father for those who have trusted in Christ Jesus. 
Let me clear up some theology. We are not all God's children. We are all God's creation, but you have to have been redeemed by the blood of a resurrected Savior in order to be God's child. John chapter 1 verse 12 says this, to those who received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Only under the old covenant, they only knew him as judge and as Lord and as king. But Jesus said, this is the first step to this pattern of prayer. You can say, our father, he's my father. And now as I go to the cross, I'm buried. I die, I'm buried and rose back, raised back to life. He can be your father. Isn't that good news? That almighty God would give us the privilege to call him father. Okay, maybe you don't get it. Galatians chapter 4 verse 6 says this. Because God's spirit is in our hearts, we can cry out, Abba, Father. That still don't stir you up? <laughs> you know, the little Hebrews, boys and daughters, Abba. Let me tell you what our English terminology, Daddy, that endearment. Okay, let me talk about charisma again. <laughs> charisma is about eight months old, and Terrain was in the uh, kitchen, I believe. She was cooking, and I was back there being daddy. And, and I was playing with charisma on the floor, and I was and out of nowhere, she says, Dad, Dad, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I run down the hallway. I said, Terrain, Terrain, Terrain. Come here. She said, what is it, Lee? I said, shh, come here. <laughs> I said, watch this. And I began to tickle her and play with her. And all of a sudden, she said, Dad, I said, that's my girl. <laughs> you don't get excited to be able to call God your father, Daddy. You don't get goosebumps, don't. Your hair don't stand up. See, see, we've gotten too comfortable. That it's a privilege to call Almighty God Father. He says here, when you pray, number one, pray because of your relationship that he's your father. But number two, pray with reverence. He says, so he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. But watch this now. Hallowed be your Name. Now, let's deal with this. Yes, you could call him father. Yes, you have a relationship, but I want to remind us he's a holy God. The word hollow means holy. I believe we become too comfortable with God's character. God, though he's our father, catch this now, though he's our father, he's not Paul our pal. And I believe that for the most part, we've lost reverence for God. God is to be revered. Psalm 111 verse 9 says, holy and awesome is his name. Yes, he is God our Father, but he's to be respected as that. 
many times I'm hearing rhetoric now where we're no longer respecting and reverencing who God is. We are flippant with his name. His name is holy. See, I, I think one of the problems, he says, you ought to say hollow. There, there is a reverence when we pray that he, he's the one that Isaiah saw. Y'all Bible readers, right? He's the one that Isaiah saw, and I think the reason we no longer revere him is because we don't see his majesty, and when we don't see his majesty, we don't see our depravity. See, it's only to when we see his majesty, who he really is, he's the holy God. The angels around the throne cry out day and night, holy, holy, holy. Isaiah gave this account. In Isaiah 6, he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphims, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew away. And one cried to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven, but guess what? Hallowed be his name. Moses got a good glimpse of this holiness at that burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. We ought to respect God for who he is. He's the almighty one. Moses saw this bush on fire but not being consumed. And out of the bush came a voice and said, Moses, take off your Nikes. For this ground that you're standing on is holy ground. We do know that he's holy, right? And Jesus said, when you go into prayer, yes, be grateful that you can say, our Father. Be grateful that because of your relationship, but also understand that there is to be some reverence to his name. Psalm 96 and 4. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Number three. Walk with me now. We pray, number one, because of our relationship. Amen? Number two, when we pray, we must pray with some reverence. But number three, right here in our text, we are to pray with resignation. Now, as I've said, Luke does not include this in the ESV, but he includes this in Matthew chapter 6. And our third point is this, your will be done. Prayer has been reduced to this. My name, Jimmy, gimme, gimme, gimme. Prayer has been reduced to this. Lord, this is Sue. This is what I need you to do. Prayer is not about us going before God's throne, wagging our finger, demanding anything from God. Prayer is about getting God's will done in this earth. This is what Jesus says here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be 
done. Yes, we are to pray because of our relationship. Yes, we are to pray with reverence, but we are to pray with resignation. When we go to God in prayer, we are to resign, give up our will. We live in this self-righteous world now, and everything in our prayers now is about me, myself, and I. When prayer should be about acknowledging God, God, what is your will for this? God, what is your purpose for this? God, what is your providence in this? Not so much about what I want, but it's about what God wants. 1 John chapter 4, verse 14 says this. Now this is the confidence. When you pray according to the word of God, which is the will of God, you got confidence in prayer. I said, when you pray according to the will of God, which is the word of God, you have confidence. When you, Jesus said this in John 15. If my words abide in you. That's why many times we don't pray with confidence because we don't know God's will because his word is not abiding in us. We are to take God's word out of the Bible and we are to give it back to God. When we pray that way, we are praying according to his will. 1 John 5, 14 says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Can I just give you this practical illustration? Our will and God's will. Our will is like the Volkswagen Beetle. God's will is like the semi-truck. When the semi is entering into the highway, let me tell you what the Beetle better do. Get out the way or it's going to get smashed. Brothers and sisters, we got to yield the right of way to God's will. I, I make this statement as we move on, either we're going to be in God's will or we're going to be in God's way. And I encourage all of us, never get in God's way. Jesus, in that most agonizing time in his life, just before he's to go to Calvary. He's kneeling there in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that when he gets upon that cross, all of my sins and your sins were going to come upon him. And this intimate oneness that he knew with the Father would be broken because of our sins. And he's in this garden and he's, he's literally sweating drops of blood, this, this agony is all on him, and, and he begins to say this, Father, if it be possible, let this cup of judgment, let this cup of wrath pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will. Let your will be done. What was Jesus doing at that moment? He was resigning. He said, here's my resignation letter. It's not about me, Father. It's all about you. Come here. Is your prayer life, is my prayer life just about us? I've come to realize the short time being here on this earth, the most important thing is being in God's will. I would rather, I'm saying this 
not flippantly, but you get the thrust of what I'm trying to say. I would rather be in the middle of a hurricane in God's will than on a sunny beach with your favorite cocktail out of God's will. Are y'all understanding? Because there is protection and provision in God's will. And out of God's will, there can be destruction. Jesus said, when you pray according to this pattern, number one, I want you to pray because of your relationship. Number two, I want you to pray with some reverence. Number three, I want you to pray with resignation. Don't let prayer be about you. But number four, pray for your daily resources. He said this in verse 3, give us day by day our daily bread. How many know God is not a deadbeat dad? If God's face could be in a post office, you would never find it there because God take care of his children. Aren't you glad about that? He said when you pray, it's okay. Because of the relationship, because of the reverence. You can pray for your daily resources. It's okay. God wants to, if he clothes the lilies, if he feed the sparrows, you do know he wants to take care of us. You do know that, right? And there's nothing wrong with requesting daily for our needs to be met by our father. There's a story about a widow woman as we move on. She came out on her front porch knowing that God is a, Jehovah Jireh, he's the provider. And the old widow woman stood on her front porch. She had this old atheist staying next door. And she came out on the front porch and she says, Lord Jesus, I know you are a need meeting king, but I have no milk. I have no bread. I have no beans. Lord, would you supply my daily need? That's all I need for the day is my bread my beans, and my milk. And she went off to church. The old atheist heard it. He went, ran down into the Kroger's and got a box and put the milk and the beans and the bread and put it on the front porch. And when the old widow came back home, she walked on the porch and she looked and she began to do a little cheese. She said, thank you, Jesus, for supplying my daily needs. And that atheist jumped out and said, nah, 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 nah. Jesus didn't do that. I did. She said, isn't that just how powerful my God is? He can use the devil to get my knees met? <laughs> God has no problem with meeting our needs. He said, when you pray, how many know for 40 years, for 40 years, God took your Israel's need, didn't he? Uh, their cologne didn't wear off. Their shirts didn't wear out. Their shoes wasn't torn. God took care of their need. He said, when you pray according to this pattern, you have a right to pray our Father because your relationship, but pray with reverence, hallowed, holy be his name, but pray with resignation. Listen, he may want to give you some cat heads, not Nikes. Y'all didn't get that. <laughs> you may want the filet mignon, but he might give you bottom cut. Are y'all getting that? You got to pray with resignation, but you can pray for your resources. Number five, you got to pray with repentance. Verse three, give us 
day by day our daily bread. Verse 4 of Luke 11, and forgive us our sins. How many know you got to pray with repentance? We cannot live how we want to live and think that Jesus is going to answer our prayers. There comes a time in all of our lives we must do spiritual business. We must go before God, 1 John 1 and 9, if we what? Confess. Get that word confess there now. It means to acknowledge. It means to take up ownership. Don't come to God, God, I did this thing. No, God, I fornicated. Okay. God, I lied. God, I gossiped. God, I'm a glutton, <laughs> not gluten. <laughs> Y'all know gluttony is a sin too, right? Amen. But he said when you go to God with this pattern of prayer, you got to ask God to forgive you of your sins. And God is there waiting. First John 1 and 9 said if you confess your sins, God is faithful just to forgive you. He just wanted us to own up to what we've done. Take ownership. First John 2 says this, my little children, sin not. God is not advocating for us to sin. He said, but if you do, he knows that we are dust. But if you do, you got an advocate. The word advocate there means defense attorney. You got someone better than Perry Mason, better than Ben Matlock, better than Johnny Cochran. You got Jesus Christ, the righteous, pleading on your behalf to the Father for your sins. Our sin must be dealt with. Proverbs 28 and 13, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them would have mercy. I'm grateful that the new generation won't know anything about this game, but I'm just going to say this in, in moving. I'm grateful that when I confess my sins, there is the blood of Jesus not to cover, but to remove. How many of you remember Etch and Sketch? <laughs> I see the younger generation, they don't have a clue what I'm just talking about. There was a game called Etch and Sketch where you could draw on it, and when you messed up, only thing you had to do was what? Shake it. And everything you did before was what? Gone. How many know that's what the blood of Jesus does? It's more powerful than Etch and Sketch. It doesn't cover, it removes our sins. Then he says, you are to pray to release. Yes, once you've had your sins dealt with, then you are to pray to release. He says this, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. And that's talking about unforgiveness. He says, you are to remember the forgiveness that you have received, and you are to go and give that same forgiveness to someone else. He said, when you stand praying, you ought to forgive so your heavenly Father will what? Forgive you. you got to release anyone. When we release those that have hurt us, we are freeing ourselves from prison. Last but not least, pray for restraint. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us. From the evil one. I don't know about you, but I can't keep myself. I need the Lord to keep me. And I need him to keep me every day. The old hymn writer said it like this. 
prone to wander. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to lead the God I love. We all there because of the sin nature in us. Every day we wake up, it's a fight not to sin against our God. And we ought to pray for restraint. Lord, help me not to sin against you this day. Charles Spurgeon said this about prayer in my conclusion. We cannot all argue, but we can all pray. We cannot all be leaders, but we can all be pleaders. We cannot all be mighty in rhetoric, but we can all be prevalent in prayer. There's a story about two pastors' wives who were mending their husband's pants. Get this last thing about prayer. And they were in the shop together, just those, them two, those two. And one wife looked over to the other wife. She said, my husband was just about to walk away from ministry. He's just about had enough. He's just fed up. He's tired. And the other wife said, wow, for real? My husband, he just felt God move and he's doing some miraculous things and he's ready to run on and continue to do God's will. And as they were mending the pants, one wife mended the seat of her husband's pants while the other wife mended the knees of the other one. I pray that y'all got that. One wore out his bottom while one wore out his knees. We better wear out our knees. Amen. Let us pray. God in heaven, thank you for this pattern. Lord, thank you for your power. Thank you for your majesty. Father, I pray that all over this place that we, starting with me, have been challenged to be more diligent in our prayer life. Father, have your way in this place today. And I pray that prayer would be the key to our day. And I pray that prayer would be the lock to our night. These are all blessings I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.